Welcome to episode 78 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is the second annual Bobtober Halloween special. Yes, a second. An- oh, hang on. That- Did you hear that? Yes, the second annual Halloween special. Isn't that special? It, it, that really is special. In the last Halloween special, back in the glorious and COVID free year of 2019, we talked about the history of Halloween and also some other kind of Halloween-related subjects. Do you remember the bit about the history of tampering with kids' Halloween candy? That was good stuff. That was hard-hitting journalism at its finest on my part. Uh, You're welcome. This episode is not about Halloween in particular, though the subject matter is very, very appropriate for a Halloween special. We are going to be hearing from Katie Burr, a renowned paranormal investigator and researcher in this episode, And does she have some stories for you? Yes, she does. Katie's been on two very noteworthy paranormal investigation type of shows. The first one being Ghost Lab on the Discovery Channel from 2009 till 2011. That was two seasons worth of shows. Then in the year 2019, just last year, Katie was a member of the cast on the show World's Biggest Ghost Hunt, Penhurst Asylum on A&E. So let me just say this pretty much up front. Katie has seen and experienced things that I would say are terrifying. She's seen some very unexplainable and weird stuff. Yes, very scary to me. Frightening. Terrifying. That's my take. You be the judge after you listen to the interview part with Katie in this episode. That's going to come up in just a tiny bit. Now, not only has Katie seen some frightening and unexplainable things, I would say she is also a consummate professional in regards to the paranormal and paranormal investigating. Katie's very level-headed and takes an approach to ghosts and the paranormal that I find very refreshing, honestly. She doesn't come at the subject of the unknown or paranormal from any kind of overly dramatic or made-for-TV kind of mentality. She's just seeking answers, and to me, that's the way it should be done. I have a ton of respect for Katie after this interview and how she views investigating and how she performs paranormal investigations. You'll hear this interview is one of my favorites that I have ever done. No shit. I'm very serious about that. The subject matter is obviously very near and dear to my heart. And Katie was an absolute pleasure to talk to during the interview. And also we did a little investigation after the interview. I'll talk about that in a sec. The setting in which we did this interview, it was conducted at a place that was haunted. Yes, an actual haunted location. In fact, we were in the most haunted part of this building where the interview took place. And that place was the El Adobe de Capistrano restaurant in San Juan Capistrano, California. Richard Nixon's favorite restaurant, by the way, while he was still alive. Maybe he's still there. Maybe he's trying to lie his way out of Watergate eternally. I'm not a crook. That was Nixon, by the way. I wonder, that does make me wonder, where's Trump going to end up haunting when he dies? Is he, well, I mean, he's going to go straight to fucking hell. He's going to burn like, Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen a marshmallow that sat in a fire overnight? That's Trump's ass when he dies. Well, maybe he'll end up haunting someplace, but I bet you where Trump will end up haunting if he does become a ghost will be one of the shitters in the White House or one of his stupid fucking golf courses somewhere. You'll be in there peeing, you know, you hear this voice saying, 
fake news. He had this tiny ghostly hands like pounding out tweets on his phone in one of the stalls. That fucker. He'll probably be in the toilet tweeting from regions beyond. Oh, it really stinks down here. It's got the worst smell, a terrific smell. Uh, where was I? El Adobe. Yes, El Adobe. We conducted the interview in the wine cellar of the El Adobe de Capistrano restaurant. That used to be the jail in that general area, the San Juan Capistrano area, a long, long time ago. One of the stories from El Adobe, in fact, it said that the spirit of a mother of a former prisoner, very long dead, of course, is still visiting the jail trying to bring her son food from beyond the grave. After the interview with Katie, we did a little investigation of that whole building. Well, a lot of the building. It's a really big place. But I think we hit most of the hot spots or most of the spots that are supposed to be really haunted. And I think we might have caught some activity. Yes, indeed. The video of that investigation is going to be on my YouTube channel soon. It's pretty rad. I hope to have that video up on the YouTube channel before Halloween. I will definitely keep you posted on that. Now, speaking of El Adobe de Capistrano, you can visit the historic El Adobe de Capistrano restaurant and enjoy some of the finest in authentic Mexican cuisine known to man. El Adobe is located in southern Orange County, California, in the heart of beautiful San Juan Capistrano. El Adobe's address is 31891 Camino Capistrano and is open for dine-in and takeout daily. COVID safety precautions are taken very seriously at El Adobe de Capistrano. Let me tell you, I was there, as I said recently, and I was very comfortable with the way they're dealing with our current situation and the pandemic. You can call El Adobe de Capistrano for more info or to make reservations at 949-493-1163. Check them out on their website, and you can even order online at www.eladobedecapistrano.com. Cabistrano.com. What a beautiful place. Great food, a very accommodating and awesome staff. You really can't go wrong with El Adobe de Capistrano. Last couple things before we get to the interview. First up, there is not going to be a beer of the episode in this one. I'm sorry, but this is a Halloween special, and the less interruptions, the better. That's why it's called a special. The music of the episode was recommended by Katie herself, and there will be two songs the first song is about halfway through the interview, and that song is called Thrones by the band Alexis on Fire. At the very end of the episode is the song Understanding in a Car Crash by the band Thursday, which, by the way, is Katie Burr's favorite band. Speaking of music, let me sing my usual song that I sing in every episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider joining my Patreon for exclusive content and more. The Patreon site is www.patreon.com slash I Wanna Party With Bob. My eternal thanks and gratitude to you if you do sign up for my Patreon. You might even say my undying gratitude. You might say that. Well, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Finally, this Halloween special is brought to you by the people who personify the ministry song Every Day is Halloween, the Crypt Keepers of Cool Clothing, Discount Cemetery. We're going to be hearing from Discount Cemetery right now. Then on to the rest of this very special Halloween special. Please stay tuned.
Did you know that vampires have very strict dental hygiene regimens? Yes, we vampires clean our teeth three times a day. Why? It prevents bat breath. <laughs> well, the cool creeps of Discount Cemetery may not clean their fangs three times a day because they are too busy making the fearsomely finest in horror, sci-fi, and vintage wear that money can buy. T-shirts, outerwear, the Gravely Femme line, vintage jerseys, and more can be found at www.discountcemetery.com. Visit the Discount Cemetery website today where you won't get bit by high prices or low-quality clothing and accessories. No, just the best in blood-suckingly beautiful clothing and accessories this side of Transylvania. You can count on Discount Cemetery for deals that would drag Dracula out of his coffin at midday. That's something you can take to the blood bank, believe me. When you do order from Discount Cemetery... Be sure to use the code PARTYWITHBOB at checkout for an additional 20% off your total order. That's a deal you can really sink your teeth into. Remember, visit www.discountcemetery.com today and browse the amazing selection of goods. I personally recommend the Bloodbath shirt myself, though it does make me very hungry. Yes, Discount Cemetery... You don't need an invitation in to take home the finest goods that would even make a 500-year-old vampire look and feel as if they were a mere 150 years old. I command you to do it today. I would like to welcome Katie Burr to a very special edition of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast Halloween special. In fact, you are the subject of my Halloween special this year. I'm going to come out strong and ask you right away, do you believe in ghosts? Well, I mean, of course I do. Okay. I mean, I kind of am obligated to say that, but I but I do. I do absolutely believe in ghosts. I've had my own experiences, so it kind of solidifies it. Now, what, what do you think they are? Do you have any idea or any thoughts about what a ghost is? What in a haunted place, say like this, where people see apparitions or something like that? Any ideas that you can think of? I have a ton of ideas, and I think um, I think we all do in the paranormal field. That's kind of what we're trying to answer. You know, there there are different types of hauntings. That much I can say. But as far as what goes into the paranormal, I mean, there's a ton of different theories, and I am not really myself sold on one over the other. To be honest, what's like what's an example of something that you would say you think a ghost might be? I guess I should say a manifestation or something like that, where you see. A physical image. Well, honestly, when you have like, say, you know, you have the 1800s woman that appears in front of you like that kind of thing. It really depends because um, seeing an apparition, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're seeing a ghost. Uh, Like I said, there's different kinds of hauntings and um, there's what we call intelligent where it's something that interacts with you. You know, you know, you ask, you know, what's your name? It could say its name or like something is clearly sees you back in the room or something like that. But then we have residual hauntings, which basically it's like 
almost like a, a hologram. It's almost like a playback that you're seeing. Like I kind of say, like in Star Wars, you know, where you know R two D two plays you're back. My language, by the way, too. Yeah. <laughs> like when you see Princess Leia, you know, the hologram of her replaying. It's kind kind of along those lines. Oh, me? Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Almost like a residual part of the someone's personality or or what, however you want to say it. I always get weird about saying soul, but that could be the part of somebody's personality left over that's kind of hanging around where they passed away, maybe. I mean, there's there's also different theories of, about what causes residual hauntings like that as well. Uh, we found, like, uh, when I did the show Ghost Lab, you know, we, we focused a lot on experiments that dealt with imprinting on an environment. We found that especially in traumatic situations, you know, sure. if there was some sort of traumatic death or even just violence in an environment or anything like that, you can have energy that's actually imprinted onto the environment and can replay at any time. We, we found a lot that if you kind of jolt the energy, you kind of stir it up, you know, make loud noises or um, get aggressive in an environment where there, you know, was aggressive energy left behind, uh, different things like that to just kind of like cue that energy to come out. Oh, um, okay. it, it kind of stirs it up and, and you see more of that. Oh, interesting. It's almost like you're replaying the energy that was present when something maybe experienced a certain kind of trauma or something like that. And that triggers it from replaying it again in some way. Exactly. It's like walking past a VCR and bumping into it or something like, well, I don't know. That's old language. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's archaic language, I think, at this point. <laughs> I think you kind of answered my question. The next question was going to be why ghosts or paranormal activity might happen in certain spots. And you answered that, I think, very well. Do you think that the spiritual energy, ghosts, anything like that can actually physically harm you? I do. Uh, I've I've heard stories, you know, about people getting pushed downstairs and um, oh. getting assaulted. I mean, I've I've witnessed other people uh, who have been assaulted by a spirit. You know, where like scratches are left behind. Wow. It's usually the more negative energy. You know, the the darker energy that you're dealing with. And one thing that you know I've kind of realized. I think it's been one of my biggest realizations over the last, I'd say, two years of investigating is that, you know, I always tried to kind of protect myself from going into situations where there were, you know, darker entities in there. Sure. I, you know, I just don't want to mess with that stuff. I've, I've seen it go all kinds of wrong with other people. Right. And so I, I try to stay away from it. But I've been in situations where you walk in thinking that's not the case and you stumble upon it anyway. So... You really just don't know. You and don't You don't know until you're there, until something happens, basically. Exactly. Right? You don't know what you're messing with. You can kind of base it on, go, well, the history of this place says nothing bad should happen. But then again, right, It's the whole thing's kind of a crapshoot because you never absolutely know. You're always taking a risk. I mean, uh, you know, if you're going into someone's personal house that's haunted and they think it's a family member, I mean, chances are that's who's there. I think when you go into these, you know, buildings where there's just a ton of people in and out of there all the time, especially like abandoned hospitals, I've had a lot of more, I'd say, negative or darker experiences in places like that just because of the nature of what went on there. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, a place like this, like where we're sitting now, and I should have said this at the beginning, we're at El Adobe de Capistrano in San Juan Capistrano, a restaurant that used to be a jail and a courthouse and also a person's home. 
that kind of energy you wouldn't suspect to be present here, or there, or there might be because it was a jail, and that's not a good place to be for anybody, really, right? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. We'll I find mean, out. That's why we're here. That's one reason why we're here, yeah. I'm actually really excited to uh, kind of check this place out. This has been on my list for a while. You know, I've heard that activity here is pretty pretty crazy and active, so sure, yeah. I'm excited about it. It's suppo- supposedly San Juan Capistrano also bills itself as California's most haunted city. Which I don't believe, by the way. I think that's San Diego. So uh, I don't think that's <laughs> well. <here>. That as well. <laughs> yeah, Maybe is. for Orange County. <laughs> Maybe for Orange County. There you go. We'll take. We'll give it the the crown of uh, Orange County's most haunted city. So, <laughs> when was it that you kind of developed an interest in like ghosts and the paranormal and stuff like that? Does it go ba- way back to when you were a child? It definitely does. Okay. Uh, my well, I wouldn't say that I had experiences first. I had stories from my family members told to me first when I was very young. So it became just kind of commonplace, just the idea of the paranormal. So I, you know, for me, I think it made it less taboo, you know, and maybe kept an open mind with me since I was a kid. So I've never like I've. You know, I talked to a lot of other people that in their home, you know, they may have had experiences when they were a kid and their parents kind of shut it down and said, no, you know, you're imagining things. And it's funny, I actually, uh, one of my friends I was just having this conversation with and she grew up in that kind of household where she was actually having experiences and then her parents shut it down and it kind of made her very scared of it. Oh, sure, sure. And I feel like for me, you know, I, I mean, I've definitely been scared in situations, but I think overall I haven't been scared of the concept of the paranormal because it was never something that I had to question. Like your parents weren't, didn't put it like, no, don't talk about or mess with or even think about any of that stuff. Like, no, that's bad stuff. Exactly. My mom was the one telling me her experiences from, I mean, ever since I could remember the first, the first story that I ever heard was, I guess my mom and my grandmother were shopping and just Uh, one of the department stores, I'm not sure where, but they were just, you know, minding their own business. And they both looked up and saw my great grandmother and her nursing home roommate shopping in the store, just clear as day, right across from them. Wow. Just as if they were there. And they, they both had passed away at that point. And my mom didn't know my grandma saw it. My grandma didn't know my mom saw it. And they kind of look over at each other just, you know, in shock. Like, did you just see that? Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I I can't remember what age my mom told me this, but I mean, it was, I must have been, you know, four or five the first time that I wow. heard it. Wow. And so she didn't present it in a way like it was anything to be afraid of. It was actually kind of a positive, good thing in a way. Like, hey, I was with your grandmother and we saw my grandmother or whatever, her mom kind of thing. It so. was just such a, like, oh, this happened one day, you know, just like a story. Like, you know, wow. I, I went to the store and I, and I bought a dress, like that kind of thing. It was just so, like, she wasn't questioning it. She wasn't presenting any kind of beliefs or, you know, skepticism about it. It was just like, this happened. And I think presenting it to me that way as a child, you know, kids have more of an imagination as it oh, is. Sure, Anything's sure. possible. And I think, you know, that's that's why a lot of kids tend to have more experiences than adults because they, they haven't been shut down to the idea yet. Right, yeah. So I think with me, it was just, you know, it just was commonplace from the beginning. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's almost like when little children are much more open to it because all those walls where we block off certain beliefs and ideas and views of the world in general haven't been built up yet. So Exactly. When did you actually start doing investigations and that kind of thing? 
as I said, you know, when I was when I was very young, I just had the stories presented to me. I I had yet to have well, from what I remember, I don't. If I had experiences as a kid, I don't remember them. I'll say that. Okay. Very possible. The first experience that I ever had uh, was uh, after my my grandfather had passed away when I was in eighth grade. When he was still alive, he would kind of reluctantly eat dinner with us. You know, like he. He had been a prisoner of war, so he ate really, really fast when he was at the table. He would get up and leave the table as soon as he was done. He'd finish before all of us and go in the living room and watch TV because he just didn't want to sit there and talk to everybody. Oh, wow. We'd, you know, my my grandma and my mom and I would all be talking during dinner, like even after he'd left, and he'd get annoyed with us because we were talking louder than, you know, the TV he was trying to watch. So he'd turn the volume up, and this is an everyday thing. So after he passed away, my grandma would just leave the, the TV in the living room on when we went into the dining room to eat, and it's, you know, right next door. About halfway through the meal, every single night, the TV would just go up on its own. And it, I mean, consistently. Wow. So, I mean, this also became commonplace with me, you know, where it wasn't a frightening thing. It was just like... Almost like a comforting thing in some ways. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Again, like that kind of just, you know, leveled it out for me where I I don't think it was ever like a, a terrifying thing. But it wasn't until I was, I think I was 20 and I was living on my own. I was in my apartment just sleeping and I woke up to something in bed with me. And it was back to back, like I was facing the wall and whatever it was seemed to be facing the opposite wall, but, you know, touching backs with me. Right. And I remember I I was half asleep and I didn't want to let myself fully wake up because I knew I would freak out. So I don't know how I had control over that, but I I just remember I was like, don't fully wake up in my head. And I, I was like, how do I get this to go away? And I just, I turned on my back really quickly and it just, it disappeared. And I just kind of went back to sleep. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to freak out. Just go back to sleep. Wow. So that gave me a lot of questions, you know, because sure. this was my first direct experience where this is like interacting with me or, or, you know, of some version of that. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, I started, uh, you know, going out with just a couple friends and doing just, you know, informal investigations. Like, we didn't know what we were doing, honestly. Sure. Going to, you know, graveyards or, like, uh, some of the places around San Antonio where I'm from that, uh, you know, were suspected to be haunted. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, but, like, as I said, you know, we we were no professional investigators sure. at that point. Like, you took a 12-pack with you when it, you went on an investigation. Basically. Okay, good, okay, good, good, good. The term ghost hunter versus a term paranormal investigator. Does either one of those bother you or is, does one, does ghost hunter seem like it's more kind of a slight or like a, a layman's term versus paranormal investigator is a more professional term? Do you prefer either one or does it really matter? Me personally, it doesn't really bother me. I'm sure there are some in the paranormal field uh, that that get upset by that for different reasons. You know, a lot of people that, you know, struggle with the fact that like we we aren't taken seriously as a science yet. I mean, that's true. Right. So I think, you know, th- that is something that I struggle with as well, but I think it doesn't bother me as much because I understand the the whys. And I, I mean, I have my own views on it that, you know, I can get into in a minute. As far as the terms, I think to me, it's like, you know, Ghost Hunters, the show kind of grandfathered us all into like what we're doing. You know, like it was the sure. the, the forerunner. It kind of introduced the world to paranormal investigating. Uh, You know, of course, people have been doing it long before it was ever on TV, but it kind of gave, you know, 
I guess a wider audience an idea of how it's done, like what we're doing it for, all kinds of things that they probably had questions about. So, I mean, to me, it's like being called a ghost hunter. They kind of coined that term. And, you know, we kind of piggybacked off what they were doing. And I'm not personally upset about it. Speaking of ghost hunters, kind of what they their mission, what they said they were di- they were doing in some ways was seeking out a more scientific approach to what was going on, and almost seeking to disprove claims in some ways. Was that was kind of their whole angle on doing things? Is that is that correct? That you yeah, know, yeah, it it is, and it's something that you know. I I personally share those beliefs as well. You know, like yep. when I was on Ghost Lab, like that was kind of our motto as well. You know, we also kind of we took a very scientific approach ourselves and I think, you know, you're right, you know, trying to disprove something to the point where you can't disprove it, then you have questions. But I don't think any of us are also at that time quick to jump on and say it's absolutely paranormal at that point. It's just we can't answer it with all of the evidence that we currently have. It doesn't mean that there's something that we're overlooking. It's just, we're left with more questions. And I think personally, that's the stage that we're at with the paranormal anyway. Like, I don't think in our lifetime, we're going to prove that ghosts absolutely exist and this is why it's happening. And I don't think that it's going to become a repeatable science anytime soon. Sure. It's almost like, again, that kind of gets confusing for me because of religion and all that. But it may be you don't know what the answer to that question could be until after you die. If there's that potential of you carry on after you die in some ways. Or the other view is if we just end up fading into nothing, then we'll never really know. And it, well, and of course, the science may advance to some point where it can say, oh, yeah, this is what it is. you know. But right now, the technology is vastly improved than from the seance days of the 1880s or 1890s. But... It's still definitely not there, I would say. Well, and like I always say, you know, medicine used to be considered witchcraft. And right. look at where yeah. we're at Great now. Point. But yes. Look Great how point. long it took to get there. And I think oh we're God. still at the very early stages of the paranormal where people are just starting to accept that this is a reality. You know, you meet more and more people that are willing to talk about their experiences or willing to accept that they've even had experiences versus even, honestly, even like 10 or 15 years ago. I feel like it was Very more true. taboo when, you know, Ghost Hunters and, you know, all all the shows started coming out. And even when, you know, my show first came out, it was still kind of pulling teeth to get a lot of people to admit to themselves that they were having experiences. They'd come up with all kinds of crazy excuses. You know, we, we sure. ran across that at so many different places that we went to, you know, the owners of whatever place we're at. And they're like, well, there's weird stuff going on. So we thought we'd call you in. But, you know, I'm not going to say it's paranormal because it's probably not. And then by the end, they're kind of like, hmm, I, I don't know. This kind of gives me some questions. You gave them some questions, some things to really think about and ponder. Exactly. Sure, sure. Because, yeah, like, yeah, it's definitely not an exact science. But I, I 100% agree that there's so much more interest in it because of shows like yours, too, as well. Ghost Lab and... World's know. Biggest Ghost Hunt. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's such a long name. Like, everybody it forgets is. the That's name. That's what gets me every time. I'm like, I can't remember the whole thing, just parts of it. Not only was it the world's biggest ghost hunt, it was the world's longest title. <laughs> it was. There you go. You're right. Yes. <laughs> okay, now, let's do a quick round of... Would you rather and or pick one and tell me why? All right, I'm ready. Okay. The first one is, would you rather be present at an exorcism? 
or be actually physically harmed by a ghost or some kind of paranormal type of entity. A very minor injury, though. Oh, you're but going right in. I am. Going right am. for I these. Am. All right. Yes. Jugular Bob. Yes. <laughs> That's all right. I can take it. Okay, I figured. <laughs> I personally would rather be present at an exorcism. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. They'd this... even have a ghost just like kind of push you and you like fall down some stairs uh, or something? Yeah. Personally, I don't know. This this is one of those kind of touchy subjects with me because I I'm very interested in darker energy, but sure. I know that sounds hypocritical based on what I said earlier, but I'm very interested in it, but I don't want to mess with it at the same time. Yeah. So it's this very fine line because I know you can get too close to it and very easily get too close to uh, it. And it can do some pretty gnarly stuff to you according to what so many stories from around the world throughout history, basically, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like I would be present at an exorcism as long as there were a ton of people there. Like and, if and I was one of like 20 people there, then the odds <laughs> of it affecting me directly are less. One in 20. So <laughs> <Yeah>. you <would> be, <laughs> those aren't bad odds. I would take that. Okay, now here's a movie question for you. The Exorcist or Hereditary? I've not seen Hereditary. Oh, you haven't? No. Okay, have you seen uh, The Conjuring? Any of The Conjuring No, I'm so... Okay, I need to catch up on my horror movies. I really do, but The Exorcist... You need to see see Hereditary is like the best horror movie of the last like 20 years. Then I will add that to my list. You should. The Exorcist and Candyman are actually my favorite horror movies. Oh, Candyman's a good one. Okay, okay. Okay, then we'll change the question up. Movies, The Exorcist or... The Candyman. Oh, they're so different. <laughs> they they're are so very different. different but yes. you know, the funny thing, Candyman actually has a lot of paranormal undertones to it. Oh, and yeah. I didn't think about that when I was a kid, obviously. I didn't make that connection. But I was so drawn to that movie. I was actually terrified of that movie when oh, I was a, a gnarly, kid. Yeah, it's a gnarly movie. I was more terrified of Candyman than I was of The Exorcist, to be honest with you. I don't blame you. you. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. He scared the hell out of me. <laughs> right. he, he's a scary guy. <laughs> funny enough, yeah, like I... <laughs> I have this goal to meet Tony Todd. Like I do. And a lot of uh, a lot of my colleagues in the paranormal field have already met him because the horror, you know, uh, scene and the paranormal scene kind of They're very cross. T- yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they've yeah, been yeah, at yeah. events with be him tight. and I just haven't been at those events yet, so I'm uh-huh. like I I need to meet him, but I always say that like if someone wants to scare the absolute hell out of me, Get Tony Todd to dress up like Candyman <laughs> and just get me when I'm in the bathroom. Like honestly. There you go. I would have a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Would you rather have every investigation from now on that you go on be a dead end where there's no evidence or anything like that? Or would you rather say like every fourth investigation or so run into really gnarly, demonic, possibly demonic, crazy, bad, dark energy? That's a hard one to answer because obviously I don't want to go on investigations where there's like no activity because I mean what's the point? That would be very that boring. Be yeah, very boring. exactly. Yes, yes. But you're also touching on my subject there where <laughs> right, right. I've I've kind of been in the darkness and I've seen it and it's affected me personally and it's affected people I know personally. So it's tough to say that I want to throw myself in that situation, you know, knowingly again. Right. I, you know, It's been kind of like a learning experience for me because I have a lot of friends in the paranormal that say, you know, oh, you just need to protect yourself better. And, you know, they have their their methods of doing that. And that's been something that, you know, 
coming from such a scientific background myself, I've kind of struggled with. Sure. Because I, you know, I'm not strictly science. Like I, I have a very spiritual side to me. I wouldn't say it's religious. You know, the past, I'd say two years, I, I've been kind of opening up more to my spiritual side. Sure. And realizing that I do have sensitivities, you know, it's, it's not uncommon. There are a lot of people that actually, you know, can walk into a place and feel energy and stuff. And I think it's really, honestly, I'd be so bold to say that just about any of us can do it. It's really about being in touch. Yes, yes. Being aware, being aligned, being all of these things where you're just kind of open to what different energies feel like, how they affect you. You know, there's all kinds of things that go into it. And it's not something that I went looking for at all. It's not like, you know, I went into the desert and did a bunch of peyote and like tried to go on some spiritual journey. <laughs> right. That wasn't how it happened. Like I literally was not looking for it and it found me. I think that's how it happened. So it seems to me to most people that have like even a slight spiritual awakening or anything like that, if, if you even want to call it that really, but I think it finds you. I think that kind of thing definitely finds you. I think it finds you for a reason. Absolutely. When it does for a reason, sure. especially. And it's kind of tied into a lot of the you know events and themes of my life over the past two years. And it's actually been really crazy, like how things have kind of synced up and connected with each other. And I don't know any other person that believes in this that I say it's crazy or random to you, they're like, it's not crazy. It's not random. I'm like, I know. I know it's not. But I have to say that. You know? Sure, sure. Because it's yeah. just unbelievable. I'll say that.
You were mentioning running into got dark energy or something like that at some point during investigations. Do you utilize some kind of like spiritual protection during investigations? So as I said, this is something that I've kind of been on the fence with and kind of struggling with, you know, the effectiveness of the different methods. But, you know, I, I've kind of been in positions where there's absolutely something more negative or darker affecting me. So it's like, what the hell, what's it going to hurt for me to try this? You know, if I look like a crazy person, you know, lighting this Palo Santo and, and walking around my house with it, is, is it, you know, more worth it to look crazy or to, to actually do this and protect yourself if this really works? If it and, works, sure. Yeah. Sure. And I mean, to me, it's like, what's the difference between that and like holy water? You know, holy water, I mean, it's also, you know, Palo Santo being like a holy tree. I, I've, I've kind of gravitated to using that, at least after an investigation where something has felt a little darker than I expected mm. to encounter. You know, I'm, I bust out the Palo Santo and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use it. Because again, what's it going to hurt? Right. And you don't do that every investigation only if you feel like something might have been a little off or weird or there's maybe a darkness around or something like Here's that. Here's the funny thing. Lately, all of my investigations have led to something darker. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if it's because, as I said, you know, I've been opening more spiritually lately. So I yeah. don't know if I'm just kind of in this vulnerable state where things are more likely to attach to me. But I've had nothing but that experience lately in my investigations. And it... Wow. It's It's been kind of something else I've been struggling with because I don't, you know, paranormal investigating is, that's a big part of who I am and what I do. And, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, well, coming in contact with this stuff, have you ever thought about stopping? And I'm like, well, no, I don't want to, you know, it's it's really just giving me more questions. But at the same time, I feel like I'm putting myself at risk if this is happening more and more frequently. So sure, yeah. it's something to think about for sure. It's something to think about. Like if, if it continues to be bad, then it's, it, it might be worth your while to consider not doing it in some ways. If it's, it becomes really dangerous for you, I guess I would say. Or at least doing it less frequently, which sure. has kind of been, well, I mean, I've been busy with, you know, other things in my life lately. So I've kind of had to do it less frequently, but every time I pick it up, there's some sort of dark, energy that I'm dealing with or attachments. I mean, I've had that happen to me as well twice now. And that's, it's not fun. But the second time that it happened, I could recognize it. The first time I'd never had this experience before and I didn't know what to expect. So I didn't know what was happening with me. 
And that was, it was a little terrifying, you know, because it was affecting my life personally. But this last time I kind of recognized is, you know, the old familiar feeling and took care of it right away. I used the Palo Santo again, you know, I don't know if it's a placebo thing, but it, stopped affecting me so oh my god so what happened i mean can you talk about what happened or are you willing to talk about what happened yeah i mean if you want me to i'll start with my first experience absolutely yeah please please so the first time i it was when i did world's biggest ghost hunt actually a week i believe it was a week before i went to penhurst i i guess at least realized that i was opening up spiritually because i had a premonition dream and i had never well I don't want to say I never had it before. I had one of those right before my grandma passed away, but that was ages ago. And I thought, you know, because I was so close with my grandmother that that may have been why I had that, you know, who knows the reason. But it didn't happen to me again. Until a week before I left for Pinhurst, I had this random dream. And, I mean, it seemed like any other dream that you have until I started talking about it and realized that some version of this came true. So basically, um, and I actually have never told anyone this story before. So oh, great. It's the first. <laughs> Exclusive. I like Exclusive, it. Exclusive, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a dream that I was, I was walking back to my car from somewhere. I had parked my car and I would walked to wherever I was going. And I was coming back to my car because I had forgotten something. And I was parked at this four-way intersection just on the side of the street. And as I'm reaching in my car and, you know, paying attention to that, like whatever I'm looking for, I hear a motorcycle go through the intersection and skid and crash. And I knew somehow that they had instantly died on impact. And a few minutes later, I hear the sirens of the ambulance coming, you know, to deal with the, the scene. But I can't see any of this happening. So I'm still at my car. And a few minutes after this, I hear another motorcycle go through the same intersection, skid and crash. And I knew that that guy had died as well on impact. So again, wow. sirens coming. And I'd, I'd found whatever I needed at this point. I started walking back to, I still don't know where this place was that I was walking back to, but wherever it was. And I remember I was trying to look over my car and see if I could see any of this crash scene. And I couldn't see anything. I could just see the stoplights. That's it. So after that, I woke up and I was like, that was interesting. You know, yeah. maybe I ate something weird last night. Who knows? You right. know, it's a weird dream. At the time, I was I was living with my boyfriend, and I I woke up and I sat down with him and just decided, hey, I'm gonna share what what this was, you know. So I told him the whole dream. You know, we were trying to figure out what it might mean and trying to relate it back to things in my personal life that I was going through, you know. And I mean, we we thought of a couple things, but nothing truly fit. That day, we were gonna go see. It was the last day of Super Bloom, so we were gonna go oh, try okay. to catch that. We were living in Irvine at the time, so, you know, we had to drive up over the mountain chain into, like, Riverside and all that to go over there and see it. We had a couple things to do that day, so we got, like, kind of a late start. So by the time we showed up, the sun was already setting, and we were the only ones there. We parked the car, you know, walked up to the the top of the hill, I guess, to try to see what was left of it. And there was another couple that was up there. You know, they were taking pictures, we were taking pictures, and then my boyfriend asked them if, if they wanted him to take their photo. And so we got to talking to them and we were like, yeah, you know, we got a late start, you know, just small talk like that. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, we did too. And we sat in a a whole bunch of traffic coming here and we were like, oh yeah. They're like, yeah, there were two accidents on the way here. And I guess like I, I wasn't making the connection yet, but my boyfriend 
I guess, made the connection. And he goes, were they motorcycle accidents by any chance? And they're like, yeah. And he was like, two separate ones? And they're like, yeah. He's like, did they survive? They're like, no. Both of them were fatalities. Like, we saw body bags for each scene. Oh, my God. And I got chills at that point. Oh, yeah. And he did. And we kind of looked at each other like, what is going on? I've never had anything like this happen to me before. And it's, no, it's not the exact dream that I had, but it was still just way Dude, too weird and coincidental. Similar. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had a lot to think about after that. Like I, you know, I had a lot of questions. I'm like, why is this happening? Is this happening? Am mm. I crazy? Am I reading into this? You know? Oh, right. Yeah. About a week later when we went to Penhurst, that was my first investigation that I had done in a really long time. I had kind of stepped away from the paranormal. I had other things going on in my life. You know, so I, I didn't know what to expect. And I, I thought it's going to be like, you know, any other investigation I've done. And at first it, it kind of was. I don't know. I, I guess I was having little experiences that in the moment I wasn't aware were kind of different than what I was used to. Because I was, you know, writing them off as this or that. Just little things. Sure. But it wasn't until we went into the Devon building there, which, you know, I think we were talking about earlier that, like, you know, sometimes you you get the history of this place and you think, oh, okay, I know what to expect going in here, but you don't know everything that you're about to encounter. And the Devon building was exactly that. I had no idea that going into this place, we were going to encounter some darker energy. Yeah. You know, because the whole thing with Pinhurst is it was, I guess, a mental institution that, it, or like a state hospital, really. You know, it was run as a mental institution where they would send people that, you know, had certain, I guess, you know, what they considered handicaps back in the day. And the, I mean, back when this place opened, that could be anything, you know, ranging from just if if a female was having PMS, she might be considered to be, you know, yes. mentally handicapped and yeah. they would send her away, that kind of thing. I mean, crazy stuff. Right. Where you're you're putting that person next to somebody with, you know, an actual like very low IQ and leaving these people around each other for long enough that the person who was pretty normal in, you know, every sense of the word is actually lowering their IQ because they're not getting properly stimulated and left in this environment that's right. not, you know, conducive to... To any kind of healing or getting better exactly. or like that. Yeah. Exactly. And, I mean, this place, I think it was built, and I could be getting my numbers wrong, but I think it was built to house 500 people. I think that's what it was. It ended up housing, I think it was like over 3,000, I believe was the oh number. Oh, my God. It was something insane like that. Wow. And, there, you know, it was completely short staff like the you know the doctors could not be attentive because they couldn't even get in to take care of half of these patients you know they had adults like full-grown adults in cribs they were lined up six inches apart from each other Wow! and just crazy stuff going on there so i mean we did expect to encounter just you know the kind of energy where you know these people are probably confused like whoever's left behind is confused and maybe acting out you know maybe a little aggressive that kind of thing but You know, not anything that wasn't human, you know, not anything that was, you know, evil or or any sense of the word, just maybe, you know, aggressive out of confusion, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. So going into Devon, that's all I expected was, you know, it was was the last building that we had gone in, so they kind of saved, I guess, the the best for last, if you will. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I was just like, okay, this is like any other building that we go in. And I remember when I first walked in there, 
I, you know, as I said, I was kind of opening up to my spirituality. So this is all a new experience for me. And I didn't have anything to compare it to at the time. So I noticed something's different, but I don't know what's different. I don't know how to describe what's different. I just notice it. I'm just taking notes of everything. And I remember the first time I walked in Devon, it felt different than any other building. It felt almost like a void of energy in a way. Mm. And the way that I've, I guess, like looking back, the way that I can describe it, and this actually hasn't happened to me either, but the way that people describe being in an environment where a tornado is about to happen, the air gets sucked up, I like guess. Like charged, or what, not the re- reverse of be a charge, like a negativeness or something like that. Yeah, right? like, like I haven't, thank God, haven't been in a tornado. <laughs> That's actually one of my biggest fears. Yeah. I've had it described to me where like the air almost gets sucked up out of an environment and it just feels like there isn't air like it's thick or heavy or I, I don't really know because I haven't experienced it uh, right yeah but hearing that story from people and going through what I went through I'm like this sounds like what that feels like except energetically not actual physical air it just felt like something was sucking the energy out of the environment oh my gosh and we spent three days there I believe when we went down into the basement that's where we started having these darker experiences and I actually hadn't ever been around something where it affected someone else in a manipulative way like that like I've been around people who've gotten scratched or kicked or pushed or that kind of thing but then you leave and it's fine you know yeah but the experience that we had down there our friend Austin that was on our team it's it's on the show like you can see it on there where he actually started being manipulated by something that was in that environment and acting completely out of character and this is a guy that is not he's never looking for attention he's happy-go-lucky all the time literally his motto is nothing bad ever happens to me he goes around saying this and i always used to tell him like austin you can't keep saying that because you're the guy with the target on your back if you keep saying nothing bad ever happens to me but he he swears by it but yeah he was the first to have something actually happen and i was like see you can't go around saying this (laughs) (laughs) but i had never seen anything like that you know and it it scared all of us and you know we had our team, the great thing about it was it kind of ranged from, you know, full believer, like having every experience to the biggest skeptic who said, you know, this doesn't exist and I'm just here to kind of like see what happens. See you what, know? yeah, sure, sure. And I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, Austin was, I, I think, also kind of in the middle with me. But, you know, having that happen, we all experienced it, you know, vicariously through him watching it. Right. And even our biggest skeptic, Max, you know, left saying, I don't know what happened. I can't explain what happened, you know, and, and his, uh, Austin's cousin, Zach, kind of same thing. You know, he's very scientific as, as well. And he was like, I, I know my cousin wasn't faking this. Like, I know my cousin, he doesn't, he doesn't he, act like this. He doesn't behave like this no, under any circumstances. Not at all. So, no. you know, he, it tear, it made him tear up. You know, I was trying not to cry on camera, you know, cause they're turning the cameras right to me. And I'm like, no, like, you're not going to catch me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll cry off camera. Yeah, it definitely freaked us out. Leaving there, I am pretty sure that my experience stemmed from the Devon building because I ended up taking something home. What what came home with you? What kind of what happened when you got home? I'm still not sure what came home with me. I was I was back at my house and just, you know, going about my life and I started seeing something walking through my house. It appeared first as a shadow figure. Okay. 
that was uh it was always in the same room i had this little room right off of my kitchen where i used to keep the router and you know just all that kind of equipment and it makes sense because that's where you know you're something's going to get the most energy to feed off of there's a bunch of electronic equipment in there but there's st- electronic stuff that's using electron electricity yeah exactly so i would see everything i would see would happen in this room and it had a little pass through window to the kitchen so you know you're standing in the living room you see through that window Uh, into that room and I saw something it looked you know to me I felt like it was a male presence just because it was probably about six feet or so tall and just kind of gave me that vibe that it was a male presence yeah shadow figure walked through the room I kind of saw it out of the corner of my eye but you know clear as day I'm like okay I guess I have a roommate you know (laughs) and I've, I've lived in places that have had activity before. So this wasn't my first rodeo with this stuff. But sure, right. you know, I just thought, okay, this is happening. As long as it doesn't mess with me, fine, whatever. A few days later, I saw the same thing, but kind of manifests a little differently, just same height. It looked more like a misty apparition hmm. walking through. And then about a day after that, I saw the same thing. This one was a little harder to describe. It's kind of like when you see a shooting star and the tail will be kind of that green flash. Yeah. It looked like something like that at the same height moving through the room. So one of the questions I still have is, why is this thing manifesting differently three different times? Right. But Every time it height. was a different appearance. Yeah. But roughly the same height, though. Yeah. Wow. It was very strange. That happened. So the, the third time that I'd seen this, I had another experience happen uh, within the same hour. And... I always make fun of, you know, the paranormal horror movies at how quickly stuff happens, like quick succession, just one right after the other stuff happens. And, you know, as a paranormal investigator, I'm like, it doesn't happen like that. You know, I always make fun of these movies because I'm just like, they're glamorizing it, you know, for TV sure, or for the to movie make it, or whatever. Yeah, to make it entertaining, basically. Yeah, yeah but yeah. in real life, I mean, you're sitting in a room for three hours and like something may or may not happen you right. know, once or twice. In my house, for whatever reason, this stuff was happening back to back like that. Like, I'm finally having this experience. So now I'm, you know, thinking to myself, maybe it can happen like that. If it's something darker, if it's something not as nice and, you know, a little more on that side of things, maybe that's when you do see things happen back to back, which in the movies, that's the kind of, you know, entities that, that you're dealing with. is, right. Yes. So maybe there is some truth to this. And I just, you know, hadn't dealt with that as much. But about an hour after the, the last time I saw this apparition, my dog started growling and barking at the bathroom door and, you know, doesn't typically act like that. So I walked up to the door and the door was shut at the time. So I open it and I hear this like motorized noise and it turns out that the electric toothbrush is on and moving across the counter by itself. And I'm like, okay, like what's going on? This is weird, you know, yeah. at this point. So I turn it off and I go back about my business and I'm like, okay, I'm going to move on. We're moving on from this, you know. And about an hour after that, it starts going off again. Same thing. And I'm like, okay, something's trying to get my attention in this house, you know, but what am I going to do about it? You know, I have to just keep moving forward. Just pay attention. You know, something else happens. We'll take note of it and I'll figure it out as as I go. So I went to bed that night. And I woke up the next morning and my boyfriend was outside with our dog, walking our dog. And I knew this because I walked out of the bedroom, walked downstairs, grabbed a Red Bull, came back upstairs. And I was like putting the pillows back on the bed. And there's, you know, I didn't hear him come back in anything. But all of a sudden I hear clear as day, 
he said, babe, in his voice to me, like loud, like he was in the house. And I mean, it was, it was clear and loud enough for me to question if he had come back in and I just didn't hear him come back in. Right. So I said, yeah, and nothing. There was nothing that happened after that. So I'm like, okay, I know I heard that. Absolutely, it was his voice, clear as day. So I walked out in the living room and I could see out the window down the street that he was outside with our dog. So I'm like, okay, that happened. And this, as I said, has been happening just back to back to back. You know, I tried to go to sleep and wake up to a new day and this is the first thing I've been greeted with. Something in this house is trying to get my attention. So, you know, he came back in and we discussed the whole thing and, you know, he had been having the same experiences like, you know, he saw the the same apparition that I saw and all this kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I kind of ended up just taking charge of the situation. You know, one thing I will say with protecting myself, you know, it's it's so questionable if things like Sage or Palo Santo or any of this, you know, that people swear by. I'm still on the fence if it actually works. You know, I... Like I said, I'll use Palo Santo just in case. That's kind of my go-to, sure. like over Sage. But whether or not it's actually doing the job, I don't know. I can't say that. There's no scientific evidence to, to back this up. It's more of a if it makes you feel better kind of thing. Right, yes. You know, burning candles, saying a prayer, all that stuff. You know, that's that's the more, I guess, you know, could be a placebo effect. We don't know. But one thing I will say is the way that I absolutely protect myself when I can feel that something is messing with me is I just take charge. You know, it's when you're dealing with these entities, especially if it's, you know, a human that's passed away, it's the same thing as a human that was alive. I mean, you have bullies in real life. You have bullies in the afterlife. Sure. So it only makes sense. It really, truly only makes sense. Yeah. Like, what do you do with a bully? You stand up for yourself. Right. You take charge. That's you know, the only you, way to get rid of it, basically. Yeah. Exactly. So... I mean, I've gotten to a point where I don't care how crazy I look even with this. You know, if my neighbors think I'm crazy because I'm running around, around my house screaming at the top of my lungs at this thing, I know that it gets rid of it. Like, I've, I've actually experienced that. And that's what I did in that situation. You know, I went around screaming at the top of my lungs, like, you know, get the, you know, out of my house. Well, and you can curse. You're totally <laughs> okay. fine cursing, Yeah, get the, get the fuck out of my house. That's yeah, what yeah. I said. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, it left. Like, it, it wasn't there anymore after that. Wow. So, again, I mean, I I can't say there's no scientific evidence that there even was anything in my house, let alone me, you know, cursing at it to leave. But from my own personal experience, which is the only thing I can speak for, it was there and then it stopped right. after that. And your boyfriend saw it, too. I mean, oh, it's not did. just yeah. you. You had somebody else that could corroborate your story and say... I'm seeing the same shit you are. Exactly. So you're not crazy, you know, exactly. I mean, that kind of thing. And that's such a common thread with stories like yours. What would you have to say to somebody who's like an aspiring paranormal investigator? Would you, would you encourage people to get into it and say, yeah, it's really interesting. It's if you have an interest in it, then go for it. Would you have any kind of words of warning for anybody? Like, okay, Get into it. It's really cool. But there are certain things you should be aware of before you get into it. I always encourage people to try it out and see, you know, how it is for them. But I've always said I think it takes a certain type to be serious about it. I mean, there's still certain of us in this field that don't take the risk, I think, seriously. And, I mean, that's fine. Like, if you haven't had anything happen to you, I guess you can't really take it seriously. 
it's kind of like COVID, right? Like, uh, yeah, right, until it's you like get it. The same yeah, thing. Right. I mean, for those of us that have had things happen directly to us or to people that we, you know, are close to, uh, I mean, the risk is real. And I think, I don't know, I, I also have theories and I guess questions about who gets exposed to the risk more than others as well, because, you know, I've, I've had uh, situations that I've kind of noticed that those who don't believe in it don't get affected as much usually. Mm. And those of us that maybe know a little too much about it or maybe are a little too close to it are the ones that tend to get affected. So, I mean, that raises a lot of questions as well. Sure it does, yeah. Like, I I tend to think, and maybe I'm just starting to believe based on the experiences that I've started having that, you know, what you don't believe in can't necessarily hurt you to a point, to a point, obviously. But I think one thing with the paranormal is just, you know, if you're open to it and you're sensitive to it, just be careful. You know, it's not always just fun and games like, you know, when we used to go break into, you know, places in high school and, you know, walk around scary places. Like, I think a lot of people think that that's what paranormal investigating is. Hell, that's what I used to think it was when I first got into it. You know, I was doing that kind of stuff, going in graveyards and stuff. But I've, over the years, started to have a very different experience with it. And, you know, like I said, kind of the past couple times that I've investigated, I've had experiences with darker energy or, you know, having these attachments that I take home. And it's not fun and games anymore. So maybe it's a... Maybe it's a building experience, you know, maybe when you first get into it, you don't know as much, so you don't have quite the same experiences as someone that's been doing it and notices things, and I mean, there could be a a number of reasons for that, but just know what you're getting into, and, you know, be careful about it, Be, be cautious and smart about the things that you're doing, and I think it's maybe smart to have someone who does know what they're doing go out with you. You know, on your first couple Almost times. a mentor type of situation in some ways. Or at least somebody with more experience going with you that can say, like, uh, maybe we better get out of here now. There's bad stuff here. For sure. You don't want to be here kind of thing. For sure. Uh, also, the trespassing factor of do you want to go someplace where you're not supposed to be and you can get arrested that may or may not be something yeah, that's, you want to that's do. That's a big always thing. something. That's a big thing. You know, there's a lot of paranormal investigators that are also like urban explorers that tend to go into, you know, a lot of these more closed off areas. And, and I mean, I've like had that. personal, you know, friends that have gotten arrested or, you know, had people sure. they were with get arrested. And I mean, that's real. You can't just, you know, walk anywhere you want in the name of ghost hunting. Uh, right. And say, well, I'm, no, I'm just hunting ghosts. I'm, yeah. That's all. Oh, it's, you're still trespassing. You're not supposed to be It's there. definitely good to ask permission. Like okay. when it's possible, ask permission for sure. Well, thank you, Katie, very much. And then we're going to do a little investigation in a little bit and off we go. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be here, especially in the place that I've been wanting to investigate know, for a long time. This is like the probably the best setting I've ever interviewed anybody for a Bobcast in in my entire life. Yeah, I actually t- just took a little video when you guys were outside. Like I took a little video of in here because it's super cool. It's, but we're sitting in the old jail of the courthouse in this part of the world like 100 years ago or whatever, or over 100 years ago, actually. So, yeah. Okay, Katie. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. You got it. You got it. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. Katie Burr is rad. She is so knowledgeable about the paranormal, has some really interesting and crazy stories, 
She's had experiences that honestly would make me run screaming out of the building like Scooby-Doo. I would say Katie carries herself with grace and style no matter the circumstances, and that is ideal for a paranormal investigator. Thank you so much to Katie Burr for joining me in this very special Halloween edition of the Bobcast and the second annual Halloween Bobtober special. Thanks to Discount Cemetery for making this episode possible and for all the terrific threads that keep me warm and safe on the investigation that took place right after this interview, plus many, many more to come. Keep your eyes peeled for the video from El Adobe de Capistrano, the investigation with Katie on my YouTube channel. It'll be up soon. The address for that YouTube channel is way too long to mention here, but it's easy to get to that YouTube channel. Just go to www.iwantapartywithbob.com and follow the YouTube link at the top of the page to get there. There's Tilt Wheel stuff, some Bobcast kind of teaser trailer videos, and there will be paranormal investigation videos that will be located all in one convenient package on my YouTube page, Rad. Thanks to the bands Alexis on Fire and Thursday for letting me use the songs in this episode via Katie. I really do appreciate it. Of course, as always, thank you for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please become one of my patrons on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. Here's the shout out part. Thanks to the latest patrons, Todd, Ken, and Brand. I appreciate you all for sure. Here's Thursday with the song Understanding in a Car Crash. Enjoy and happy Halloween. Voilà.